our authentic self through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. We use the term feeling in our lives to cover many different things. One may say, I have a bad feeling, or I have feelings for someone, or even I had a feeling I should go or do something. In this two-part series, we break down how the term feeling is actually encompassing what we are calling the five internal options, which include sensing, feeling, intuition, emotions, and the fifth being detachment, which we will touch upon in later podcasts. So now, let's journey. So a question that I've had recently is what is the difference between sensing and feeling and intuition and having an emotional reaction? And one example that, Alexander, you and I have... uh, talked about was my uh, my Pennsylvania issue where where somebody was asking me where I wanted to move before I moved to Virginia and I had a feeling in my gut that Pennsylvania was not for me like I just had this this feeling do you remember that conversation mm-hmm. yeah and then I was thinking about it the other day and is it was that an intuition thing or was that me sensing something then that prompted this conversation that we're about to have, which is what is the difference between all of these? And I think that's really important to know because when we're talking about intuition, that's something totally different than having a, a feeling in our gut or sensing. And it's important to, to know the difference so we can utilize these tools that our bodies, our bodies are giving us to then help us make uh, important decisions. Yes. Yes. And, uh, just like everything we discuss, um, the variables are lots of time how energetically uh, someone is made up. And so this helps once again with the human design system to be able to see uh, whether like in- external intuition is a true uh, skill or um, a born skill that somebody comes in with uh, or if it's more of an intuition, I mean an internal intuition. Uh, it can show the different levels of these uh, sensitivities to our environment. So, you know, the the four categories of this, and we have discussed this in, some in a previous podcast that um, I wanted to bring this back up. And when Aaron mentioned this is, so one experience is sensing. You sense something is so-called good or so-called bad. And in that uh, people may carry that at different areas of their body. Uh, for me, it happens to be like my solar plexus just below my rib cage. It's where I get a, uh, a yes or a no. And, and it typically sensing works best with simplistic information, simple yes or no answers. 
Then the next one is intuition. And intuition uh, is based a little bit more around a potential concept of something. The sensing can be a, a physical either tightening of the abdomen or loosening, but an intuition is just more of a a view or a preference about a specific situation that you're not in yet. So that's why I like to category put that in the category of conceptual. Um, so it could be, is this move of selling the stock, I could ask a friend, uh, what does your intuition tell you that this is like um, a good idea for me to sell now or not? And this is where people will get their language mixed up and they might call it, say that, that that's their feeling. Uh, but you're you're working with a concept and normally that intuition is something in the future that's happening to where the sensing is more in the present and you're having a direct experience uh, even physically with that. And then the next category is uh, feeling. And my challenge to people that I'd like to suggest is to separate and consider that the only true feeling that we have may be love. And the love that I'm talking about is the love that Jesus and many great teachers have talked about, an unconditional love. And this is a concept that's still very difficult for a lot of people to accept because normally when they love something, uh, there are parameters around it. There are restrictions. There are limitations. But this type of love is what Jesus was talking about when he said, you know, love thy neighbor. He didn't say love your mama more than your neighbor or your father. Um, it was just very simple, love thy neighbor. So in that kind of love of just love of humanity, love of this experience of life, that is what can't be written about. It can't be explained. It can only be experienced. And normally, if I go to try to explain how much uh, like my sons mean to me or um, how much my mother meant to me or something like that, normally crying will just start happening because there's no words that can actually explain that. But then on the other hand, to bring in the, the fourth area of this, emotional reaction. There is so many uh, emotions, all of our songs, our poetry, even our art, uh, most all art is created from some type of emotional experience that wants to be expressed. So we were designed to experience emotion and to process emotion, which is what I feel like our culture and most cultures have failed at. Um, our children show us how to do this at a very early age, um, but then we don't refine it uh, as we get older, and that's what, you know, working toward improving ourselves or gaining consciousness uh, from our perception is, is all about. So to whether you are sensing a situation, you're having an intuition about a situation, you're experiencing the feeling of love at the deepest level, or you're having an emotional reaction. These are the four filters that I like to suggest people to consider as they are going through an experience. The very first step is to get as clear as you can, as quickly as you can, about what exactly is happening. And so the majority of the time, you're only going to be choosing between three out of the four. Uh, and that is with the acceptance that the one true feeling is 
love. So how does that fit into the situation like you were talking about with the Pennsylvania and the potential of moving there? Yeah, and and I think at the time I thought it was an an intuitive feeling because there was this this external energy or whatever, there was something causing me to feel a certain way and I did not know what that was. So I guess to to the normal person like like I was back then, I didn't I didn't know. So it was like this this third party feeling coming into my body and causing me and, and it is from the unknown. So t- to me and maybe to the average person, it could be considered intuition or or you know wrongly um, called intuition. Right. And, and with all of this, you know, everyone has the right to call it whatever they care to. This is once again, just a structure for communication. And that as we, uh, intertwine these words at different points in times that we have a, a reflection point to come back to and make sure that we're staying on track of whether it is truly an intuition or it's a sensing, um, or it's an emotional reaction. Uh, and what we're going to be focusing the majority on is, of course, emotional reaction, because that's what the majority of people are are constantly in the flow of, uh, one emotional reaction to another. And so, uh, so hopefully this will help clarify any of the um, points that, that we bring up during this whole uh, sharing of information is not trying to create a law. We're not said we're not creating a, a a set of laws here that everyone has to abide by. We're merely working towards a language uh, that we can have a general understanding of what specific words mean, because this is the introduction to conscious communication. And so it's not about proving what a word means to somebody else. It's coming into agreement that this is what this means when I use it and. We can even give someone the freedom to have a different meaning of a word as long as you know what they mean when they use that. So this is my attempt to explain uh, how I approach um, communicating uh, these four different pathways of of this experience. And it's funny that we're talking about words and words uh, associations because that's something that we will be talking about uh, very soon. But I did want to break down why there is a difference between sensing and intuition. And and maybe I can just share something to try to break that down and we can go into several examples that, that, that you've had. So when I was reviewing uh, the Pennsylvania situation when we started talking about it a little while ago, I then, um, well, since then I've had the experience, and I don't know if I've shared it with the listeners before, but the experience where... I was bringing some feral cats to the vet and I had gotten into my car and something told me in my head to take the key out of the ignition and then put the address in the GPS. And I had no no idea why, but it was just this, like people always say there's this voice that told me to do this and you don't, you can't really understand until you have an experience like that because mm-hmm. it's not like, your friends whispering into your ear and it's not a thought it's not you know the monkey mind telling you to do something it's it's like it's it's like a a voice but it's not and it's a thought but it's not and it's something that that there's no emotion attached to so you just do it you don't really have a choice in a way i mean um, 
I'm sure you could sit there and think about, you know, where did that just come from? But it's, it's just something that just comes into your mind and you kind of just like do it because you don't know what else to do and you don't really have time to react and think about it. So you just do it. So I took the key out of the ignition and uh, I started punching in the address into the GPS and I had cats in my back seat, but I, ha- I heard a meow and it wasn't coming from inside the car. It kind of sounded like it was coming from outside. So I stepped out and uh, I heard it again and <laughs> it sounded like it was coming from inside the car. So I finally traced it and I traced it to the front of my car and I lifted the hood and there was another kitten there. Um, so had I have turned the engine on, it would have been destroyed and I would have not, uh, I would have had a, a very bad experience <laughs> mm-hmm. in my memory for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. So having had that experience, it, it's nothing like the Pennsylvania thing. They're two totally different things. And one I can now describe as an emotional kind of uh, sensing in my gut, like you were talking about. And one and the other one is just like this this voice, this direction that has no emotion attached to whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think you've probably had some of the same experiences. I, I know we've talked about some, and, and I know last week, um, we were chatting and, and you talked about, uh, one of your new PA systems and you had some, did you have some uh, intuition around that? Hmm. I know I do have, uh, the story of, um, with my, uh, a Jeep Cherokee that I wrecked, um, on the way to work one morning and I was directed, uh, similarly to you with the kitten issue in the car, that when I walked out, I had the keys to my uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I also had a Jeep CJ5. And when I was walking to the Grand Cherokee to leave, I got this intuition or this voice, as you called it, that came in and said simply to drive the CJ. And I turned around to go get the keys to the CJ in my home, but I happened to glance and see that my tags were out. So rather than deal with an obstacle, a human obstacle of the chance of getting a ticket, um, I canceled, cleared that, and just went, used my logic and said, uh, no, I'm going to drive Grand Cherokee so I don't have to deal with the potential of getting a a ticket. And then approximately five miles from my work, um, a 70-some-year-old man with Alzheimer's crossed the yellow road and hit me head-on and flipped my Grand Cherokee and totaled it. And... um, when I crawled out of the, the vehicle, I just had one little scratch on my knuckle, and I went and sat down in the yard uh, right in front of the accident and went into meditation, and the very first thing that came in was a voice that said, I told you what to do. And that was when I allowed uh, logic and dealing with uh, the obstacles of this human experience to get in the way of a direct uh, suggestion um, and that was that dances in the realm of of the intuition uh, that I was talking about. So lots of times, I like to feel that intuition is connected to this external voice that many people talk about hearing, but have very much difficulty like explaining uh, what what it is. And normally, when people are discussing that, their hands go up toward the head, and they make like little hand movements around that head area. 
But then when somebody is talking about what I call sensing, or some people confuse it with feeling, they're normally they're holding their abdomen or something like that. Like, I don't get a good feeling about this. So that's a good separation as well between those two as to where you feel the energy is intuitionally up higher or more of the uh, the sensing um, lower in the body. And so, so you had time, and it was it was because uh, your tags were out that you second guessed it. Like yes. where where in my situation, I didn't really even to think to second guess it. I just followed its orders because it was something. I mean, I didn't even think that. Wow, there's a voice talking to me. I didn't even think that it was it was just a, a quiet yeah you didn't have to you didn't have options yeah, to decide yeah it was more of a uh you were in that flow and you just did it and then later you could reflect on it uh deeper to where yes in that moment i had the the choice or the duality came in uh all because my eye caught the tags of my cj and they happened to be just a month out of date it wasn't a big deal but i just hadn't sent the card in to get my tags renewed um and then, like I said, uh, I realized that if I would have drove the CJ that day, everything would have been different because the CJ's jacked up with the big tires on it. So I wouldn't have drove the, the same speed. I wouldn't have been in that spot at that time. Now, uh, this gets into a whole other uh, subject that I'm sure we'll pick up as to, you know, uh, viewing things happening in divine order. And uh, some people feel that, you know, no matter what you do, if you're meant to have an experience, you're going to have that experience. And I can have a certain amount of agreement with that. This happened to be one that I truly felt like that that experience needed to happen. But I electively chose that role to play because I didn't listen. I let, uh, like I said, a concern of being human and an inconvenience override. Um, So... From that point on, I did my best to live in a way to where uh, I pay attention to that voice and I accept whatever human consequences that that, that may bring. Now, did that situation happen before or after you went to California to the sound school? Hmm, that's a good question. It's really... That's difficult for me to recall. I'm pretty sure that it happened before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, because I want you to share that story as well, because yeah. you've, you've told me you had intuition when you were on the streets. Yeah, so like when I uh, went to Sound Healing School out in California, um, we were doing 13-hour days there, six days a week, and it was an intensive uh, study for five weeks. And so uh, I was very much out of my natural habitat, and I wasn't getting the rest that I was used to. I was sleeping in a um, strange place, of course, and I was commuting about an hour um, to actually go across the bridge to Sausalito because I didn't care for the energy of San Francisco. So I elected for that longer drive, and but that meant that I had to catch a bus at a specific time um, that night, or I had to wait a whole other hour for the bus to arrive again. So I would have to leave class about 10 minutes early every night to make it there. And so one night, uh, I got there and the bus, uh, hadn't come yet. And this was in the red light district of, um, of San Francisco. And if anybody that knows that term and that, that space, it's, it's very understood that you don't want to be outside past 10 o'clock um, because they call it the crazies come out. 
And so at this bus stop, the whole block is shut down at that time. Like after nine o'clock, everything is gone. So there was no people. I mean, I was around businesses, but they were all closed up and it was um, very dimly lit as well. So I was standing there waiting on the bus and then I see these three people come walking up kind of diagonal from where I am. And I could tell right away that at least a couple of them were um, on drugs, really hopped up. Uh, they were acting very erratic and yelling and uh, and making bizarre movements. And then someone came around the corner with uh, riding a bicycle, and those three caught him, stopped him, threw his bike to the side, and just started pushing him between the three of them. And at that moment in time, I just knew that my field wasn't strong enough to uh, keep them at bay. And, and I knew that I was going to be recognized. And so this is another time that that, that voice come in and it said, they're going to see you. They're going to come here. Just follow what I say. And that's all that was given. I was very scared. And I had a satchel that had my books in it uh, that I was carrying. And so they locked eyes on me. And they come walking across the street. They let that other uh, person go. And one got behind me, and then one got on my left, one got on my right. And the guy behind me was uh, very large. He was about six foot four, and I would say at least 220 pounds. Um, and, but the two on each side of me were fairly small uh, gentlemen. The one behind me just uh, said, It's a good day to die. And. The other two on each side of me started laughing hysterically. And um, and I just stood there. And the voice came back in and said, uh, start walking. Do not look back. Do not run, but just walk. So I started to walk, and the guy behind me said, hey, man, come here. Uh, I got to talk to you about something. And the voice just said, just keep walking. So I kept walking. He started yelling, come here. I need to talk with you. I need to talk with you. And about that time, the voice said, run, do not look back, but run. And so I took off running and I ran for two blocks and uh, and then came to another destination uh, where there was a, a whole other mess of stuff going on. But I eventually got on the bus and um, and got home uh, much later than normal. Uh, but that was a time when all I could do was listen because I was so weak. I was so tired I knew that energetically I didn't have my defenses up, and I knew physically dealing with three people uh, that was hopped up on drugs, that that wasn't really an option. So fortunately, fear didn't come in. I mean, it was there, but it was being very, very managed uh, by my trust in this so-called intuition or this voice, and it, it led me out of a very awkward situation. But the difference was is that I listened completely and I didn't question like I did justifying the thought with the tags being out on the Jeep. So I love telling those two stories um, and because they're linked to that, uh, what I label as, uh, you know, intuition or direct connection with the divine. Yeah, and I, I was trying to figure out like what the, the timeline was, which one happened first. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that the, the vehicle, uh, well, I know that it did now that we bring that up because I was, when I, actually paid the tuition for the sound healing school, I was actually shopping for a used car. So that helped me with that timeline. And um, 
and I found the the car that I was going to buy, and then the the sound healing uh, class happened to be the exact same amount, and so uh, so the, yes, that wreck would have happened uh, before that. Then, yeah. so do you, do you think you you maybe uh, maybe looked back and and thought that I should pay attention? Oh to yes, because because after that, I mean, for for so long after that happened with my Jeep, uh, there wasn't a question. There wasn't a question. If I if I heard that voice, then I just I didn't question it. Even to the point of literally putting my life in in, in those hands, uh, because I most people would have just taken off running like way before um, them coming over and and getting uh, you know behind me or something like that. That reaction, and then you know. Uh, those three could have took off running after you. So just just if you would have taken off running earlier doesn't mean that it, it would have worked out because um, you never know what people that are hopped up on, on some type of drugs can, can do physically. Their endurance can be out of the roof. So um, so anyway, I'm very thankful um, for that guidance and, and that, that just really stuck with me uh, for a long time and it, and it still does today. I'm not saying that I'm perfect uh, in listening and following direction by any means, but I certainly strive to to trust that uh, divine intuition, um, as we call it. So we've talked about looking at situations and asking, what is the lesson here that I need to learn? So going back to hearing the, uh, or, or sensing the intuition with the car, Do you think that you didn't, like, maybe the universe was serving up a test and you didn't pass that test, so you had to relearn that that lesson again, or maybe you didn't know it in the first place, for future events? Yeah, I mean, there's there's different ways to look at that. Um, You know, the the verbiage of life testing us, uh, it can just seem like um, that we're constantly uh, getting challenged. Uh, but rather than looking at it as that challenge, yes, really looking at to see what the lesson is. And in that situation, the lesson that I took uh, from the Jeep situation was that I opted for justification to overrule a direct sense or intuition, rather, uh, from the divine. And the cost of that was monetary because I lost a lot of money with that vehicle particularly cost with the insurance that was a special buy that um, it was over 10 years old and I'd done a lot of research and found it and so the insurance didn't pay me even half of what it was worth Um, so that was a big financial loss to where when I was able to exercise that and remember that in more of a personal uh, safety situation like I said I didn't even question it I just I put all my trust in that and you know, hopefully it would be the same that if a similar thing come up with a Jeep, I would just accept, oh, I may get a ticket today because my tags are out. That's my fault. Um, but I was directed to drive this vehicle by the divine, so I'm going to do that. And and so that's where we, we – most people struggle with trust as an issue anyway. Um, but justification in the mind is one of the biggest obstacles in that. And once again, we can, you know, help through uh, people learning about themselves to know where their intuition is better, external or internal. 
And some people are very intuitive about themselves, and then other people are very intuitive about others and their surroundings. Um, so once again, it helps to have that that understanding of one's energy field and uh, their makeup to see how they, they operate optimally. Now, the, the sensing in a gut over a situation, I know I've had the question about uh, second-guessing that. Because we've talked about in the past that a lot of times they're built on associations. So my thing with Pennsylvania, built on some sort of association that I've built, that I've uh, inherited through uh, maybe TV programming or something in society or something from a past life or or uh, an- ancestral. Um, yeah, the family lineage. And I want to uh, cut in here to, to give that separation. As we, as we go through this podcast, we're not promoting um, past lives per se. We're not uh, promoting genes and family lineage. What we're working toward is developing an understanding that those two are interchangeable, and I don't carry a preference of the language. So it could be an association of you having a resistance to Pennsylvania from a past life that you experienced there, Um, or it could be something handed down uh, through your family lineage and something that, uh, you know, hypothetically negatively happened to somebody in your family or a lot of people in your family there. And that fear or that uh, energy has just been passed down. And and people believe in genes being passed down and through DNA and different things like that. And energetic um, imbalances are passed along as well. Uh, so that's why when we work on ourselves and we work to break these habits and uh, break this conditioning, we're not only helping ourselves, but we are actually healing the whole family lineage. And uh, that's a that's a very big deal. So um, so getting into that specific why, uh, why, once again, being external, uh, why do I have this resistance to Pennsylvania? The why isn't as important as uh, let me just understand that. And let me dissect it a little bit and look at it from many different angles and then uh, get to a place of acceptance with it. And then it's either, is this situation worth me challenging myself to get over this resistance? Or is it just uh, useful enough for to use it as a message and um, choose not to spend a lot of time there? And that's for the individual to decide. Yeah, because a lot of times I'll get a, a sense about something. And my logic will come in and I'll, and will ask, is that an intuition feeling or is that just something I'm making up? And sometimes you can talk yourself out of a feeling based on uh, an emotional preference that you, you may have in a certain situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that can come from, you know, having a similar experience like earlier in your life, um, and that can even be subconscious because it could have been, uh, you know, all land even has energetic ley lines and we can make different connections. So there's even the possibility of something happening in that area early in life and uh, the conscious mind not even being aware of it, um, but the subconscious being damaged from that. So so those old emotional reactions, uh, you know, that I also label as traumas. And uh, normally when that word's used, people think to an extreme, but a trauma to a child 
can be something that the adult just looks past completely and doesn't even consider that it was any big deal. But to that child, it could be something that hinders them for the rest of their life in communicating with people or how they feel about themselves. Uh, So these emotional reactions is uh, possibly the most important to focus on. And to, you know, the direct giveaway with an emotional reaction is that that normally there is some type of um, concern or fear or angst like uh, connected with it to where like you and I both said with the intuition, there was no there was no emotion, no fear necessarily. It was just like, here's a message. And even when I so-called failed at receiving my message with the Jeep situation, uh, I didn't go into any guilt. It was just, oh, this was just the cost of me learning this lesson and it cost me a few thousand dollars. Um, but then it paid off so much when I was in that life-threatening situation. And um, and I'm so thankful that I had had that practice, uh, so to say. But the emotional reaction for the general public to go ahead and accept that probably uh, 75, if not more, percent of a person's experience uh, in the common day-to-day is out of mo- emotional reaction. So learning to uh, separate that and preference is a big part of that because lots of time, even in the sensing, if a person go has a, like a, a says something like, "I don't have a good feeling about this space," or "I don't have a good feeling about this um, person," then I would like to clean that up to say what I'm sensing here isn't supportive with this person or what I'm sensing here isn't supportive of this environment. But if that's truly a sensing and not an emotional reaction, the person still truly doesn't necessarily have a preference um, because it could have been something that they really wanted to attend. But then they get there and the feeling is, oh, I don't get a sense that this is being supported for me to be here. Then if it's going against your preferences, it's probably a whole lot more likely to be a sensing than an emotional reaction to where if the emotional reaction is like you made an agreement with a partner to go somewhere and you go and then they're going the way you're like, oh, I'm getting the sense that this isn't uh, being supported. I don't know if I should go. Well, if you already have the preference to not go, then more than likely that's clouding your sensing and that emotion uh Uh, that duality is coming in and creating the confusion. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause I was, that's a way better example than the Pennsylvania thing. And cause I was trying to get to that because a lot of times I'll have a sense about something, but I don't know whether to listen to it or not. So, you know, attending an event and getting there and, or even on the way there having a feeling. So I guess the question is like how how do you determine that? And you kind of went over that where if if you feel any kind of emotion, or or you carry a preference, and you or you carry a preference, yeah, then that's more than likely an emotional reaction. So what happens if you get there and you had a reaction not to go? Because I know a lot of times, because in the past I didn't know how to decipher whether it you know whether it was it was a sense I should listen to or it was just something just something that just silly me it's just because you know, we have random thoughts about things and mm-hmm. you know they're just like monkey mind stuff and 
and uh, you know whether it's being downloaded from somewhere else um, associations. So hard to decipher. So if you if you have a feeling, a bad feeling, or uh, you're sensing something off about an event, but you go anyway. Depending on uh, what type of person you are, that affects you differently. Like a uh, manifesting generator type person or a manifester can typically make the best of a situation. So if they didn't want to go, but they made the commitment to go, then they're normally going to be like, okay. But a generator, anytime they engage in something that they don't want to be engaged in, they're very rarely able to have a so-called good come out with that because just the difference in the way that they're wired. And then with projectors and reflectors, they're just being influenced. So if the majority of people there want to be there, then they're going to be in that energy. If the majority of people don't, then they're going to be in that energy. This gets down. It helps to have a true understanding of, you know, type person you are. We, You and I both happen to be generators. So that's why it's very, very important um, for me to make sure that if I'm attending anything, I really want to be there. Uh, because if I don't, it's a complete drain of energy. So it's important to work with our friends and family and to uh, to work towards that understanding of not just attending stuff just because you're expected, but, um, but it becomes more of a management, more important of how that's managed. Yeah, and I can see somebody having a sense about, let's say, um, a party that they're going to at their friend's house and having a sense that that something's not right and they shouldn't go, but they really want to go. But they don't listen to it. They go there and, like, let's say they had a falling out with a friend or they get in some kind of argument. They would look back on that night and I guess one of two ways they would view it, looking back on it. Either that they didn't listen to their sense and it was almost like an intuition mm-hmm. um, or that they were feeling almost like the feeling before it happened in a way. Like the energy was like yeah, building and, up before. And I mean, that's typically the case in all situations. Uh, life is always whispering to us, um, attempting to support us uh, for what is for our highest good. And But we let our preferences uh, get in the way of that. And that's why one of the pillars is living in non-preference. To realize that when you do carry that uh, a preference, then the majority of the time that creates an expectation, which is going to eventually create a disappointment. If you're trusting that uh, whatever you're involved in is for the highest good, then you're you carry less preference of what you attend and what you don't attend, and you you can even learn to develop a language with life, uh, whether that is through. Uh, type of prayer or um, giving of gratitude, but it just becomes a dance. And that's what this life really is, is it's just a dance that we're really learning how to to dance and make movement and music with the divine and um, listen, uh, both be co-creators uh, and simultaneously be uh, the one willing to follow direction. Um, so that's And this is like, once again, it gets balanced out in raising children that most parents want their kids to follow their rules and their direction, but then they want them to also think for themselves and uh, be self-sufficient. So 
as I mentioned lots of times, anything that we need to learn about consciousness uh, is pretty much exhibited through the raising of children. And so we need to be able to stand on our own two feet and be self-sufficient while accepting that there is a bigger plan and that uh, we are being nudged in certain directions and supported in different ways. And that's what studying uh, all of this stuff that we're offering um, in this podcast and and beyond is uh, is based around not coming up with a law that works for everybody and a book uh, for everyone to follow uh, it's more of understanding each individual's path and how to co-create um, with the divine and to uh, experience the, the high level of uh, contentment and peacefulness and most children that you if you talk to they can tell you if you ask them what does your parents uh what is their favorite thing for you to do around them they're going to talk about something that their parent resonates with that may or may not be their favorite thing to do but the kid can get so much enjoyment out of just getting dad's approval or mom's approval or appreciation by doing something that they don't mind doing and that they know the so-called parent really enjoys. And I hope this is coming across because this is very uh, important from uh, this vision that working within certain parameters, feeling we're here to do certain things, that we're driven to do certain things, and we have to manage our wants over here to accomplish what we feel like is our life purpose or our uh, destiny or, or whatever somebody wants to term that. And lots of people are in friction with that, with their, their daytime, whether it's their job or the way that they spend their, their time. They don't seem to be in close proximity to what really feeds their soul and makes them feel like they're doing what they were here to do. And that seems to be one of the biggest challenges for people. So, yes, truly separating these four things, and this is just a practice between the sensing, the intuition, feeling, and emotional reaction to be able to have an experience and put it under these categories is one of the first steps to uh, seeing things more clearly. So living in non-preference, I know some of the examples you were given a while back, because of how society has shaped us we kind of force ourselves into doing things. So if it's like a Saturday and you had a really heavy work week where you worked late and you're just you're just really exhausted, your body's exhausted, you know that, <laughs> that you need to rest up uh, to be able to continue to handle however your life is. But, some, but, you know, your friend has a party on Saturday and what is expected of you is to go to this party. So most people would go because mm -hmm. that's what is expected. They, people care about their image and how their friends view them. So living in the non-preference, knowing that you should really rest your body in that instance, um, I, I know people out there are confused on on that. So I think maybe can you put that in a little more perspective so that people can can understand a little better about like what what would it look like living in non-preference and how do you get around or how do you what is a, a a way of looking at it so that 
you know, because there will be people who can accept that mm-hmm. of you if, if you're just almost doing things to take care of your body versus what is accepted of you. If you start this work and you do start working toward living in non-preference, um, you can count on uh, that you're going to disappoint people because our society has been has been established on doing for others before you do for yourself. And some people even label like the term friendship as that. I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day that about friendship. And I said some people term their friends as just who supports their views. And then I said some people consider friends those that help them to see things more clearly. And so they bring opposition. First of all, most of these people haven't taken the time to prioritize uh, what is really important in their lives, to understand that really it's not the end of the week and the person being tired and just really needing rest don't want to go to to this party or this gathering. It's that they, they failed on time management over a longer period of time. It's part of what disappoints people is that most situations can be avoided with proper planning. You know, there is a saying of, you know, poor planning on your part does not mean emergency on my part. So it can go both ways with that. But I think that really comes down to people getting really clear and making lists, a priority lists of, you know, their um, their connection to God, their their intimate mate, their children, their close family members or immediate family members, their social situation, and then their work or their career. List all of those things down and put them in order. And then that helps with the so-called non-preference. If you get uh, so-called invited to like a party and you're aware of your schedule ahead and you're aware of your priorities, then if you're willing to consciously communicate rather than avoid confrontation and you just say, I would really love to attend that, but I'm not going to be able to make it. I've just got uh, I've got too much going on at this point. And that too much doesn't need to be explained because it can be seen that Anybody that was a friend would want what's best for you. And uh, so it's it's got to be on both ways that if you choose to live in that non-preference and that you're willing to go through the judgment of not showing up at places and people being disappointed, then at the same time you have to simultaneously not expect anyone to come to anything that you plan, that you're trusting that they're doing what's best for them. So those are the type of friendships that that I enjoy like creating is that we're always taking care of ourselves and each other and we're not dependent on each other. Our happiness is not dependent on somebody showing up or not showing up. Just in this little bit that we've discussed right now, I mean, it's a lot of changing that has to happen from our general population and the way that they look at this. And that's just scratching the surface. But all of this is, like I was talking about, you're aware of your schedule, you're aware of your priorities, you're aware of the the person and the people that's going to be involved in the situation. All of this is what I just call consciousness. It's working toward making a more conscious decision because you're aware of all as many of the variables as possible rather than not being aware of any of that and somebody just calling you up and you saying yes and not even considering any of or all of that list of priorities or the other things that we described. 
so yes, this step into living in non-preference is uh, it's a beautiful walk, but it does take training. So people treat us the way that we train them to treat us. If somebody is 40 years old, they've been training people to treat them one way for 40 years, and if they go to make this change, they have to be realistic that this is going to take years to accomplish. And that is one of the biggest issues with all of this work is it's going to take years to accomplish and to rework. And so people really have to learn to take things slower and with more gratitude and consideration. So when's the best time to start this? This is like the people use this saying all the time. Was like today and 10 years ago? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And 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 to view it as just a, a subtle change that you're not going in and saying, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that, blah, blah, blah. You're going to get a lot of like resistance. But what this does is it creates an opportunity to truly practice conscious communication and working with truly developing a language with someone and this gets into the more intimate side of connecting with people and what I hope this podcast really continues to um, to help people with is that vulnerability. So if somebody invites you, Alexander, to an event, what do you say usually? I normally say uh, that sounds like a, a wonderful uh, gathering of people. I truly hope to be able to attend. Um, and if everything works out, divine willing, I will be there. But if... That voice comes in and tells me to go somewhere else that afternoon, then I'm going to go somewhere else. And the thing is, is that I don't want to have to deal with apologizing. No one has to apologize to me if they change their mind. So just remember that any of this work that you're doing, you need to be able to do it on both sides. And if you're expecting or looking for people not to have expectations on you, then you certainly can't have any expectations on them. And this is where... Normally, it's more of an agreement to, hey, you be my friend and do this for me, and I'll be your friend, and I'll do that for you. And so lots of friendships and relationships are created and built on um, deals, like let's make a deal. And that happens both consciously and subconsciously. What I'm proposing is the exact opposite of that, that everything is communicated. Everything is words are defined this these word associations are like cleared up and this brings into the power of words and what we talked about uh bringing in as subject matter today and like uh, i met with a friend uh, a week or so ago uh, someone i hadn't seen in uh, about a year and we were talking and it seemed like just about uh every five or ten minutes i would use some kind of phrase or word that she would say can we use a different word for that? Can we say that a different way? And I kept saying, sure, you could say it like this, you could say it like that. And then I went, you know what I would like to do? I would like to give you 100% of your power. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I would like to help you to not have such associations with those words. I didn't mind changing them for you. But everyone in the world isn't going to change them for you. So, my work is to work on being less sensitive to those words. And I said, and doesn't that make you more empowered? And she was like, well, yeah, but that don't sound like fun. And I said, well, progress isn't always about fun, um, but we want to be playful as we do it. And so I said, if I was going to be an ultimate friend to you, 
then you would share with me what words you're sensitive to. And then I would attempt to use those words as much as possible so that you could learn to not be so sensitive over a period of time. And I said, that would come with the agreement that that I have nothing to gain by hurting you. And I'm only using these words because we've agreed that you have sensitivities to them. But with any sensitivity, the more that you do it, the less sensitive you are to it. So that's why uh, having these uh, sensitivities to words and phrases and expecting everyone around you to change their language is a very frustrating outlook to where if you take the power away from the word, you understand the association and you release and heal that old association, then the word in the present moment doesn't have the same effect. So words are powerful and words carry no power simultaneously. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype. Find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com, V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E.com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the WiseWise logo apparel, Alexander themed clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.